I'm Ron Algar-Watt, and this is More Bits. The past couple of years in a row now, I've recorded chats with my friend Ed Casey about depression. It's a topic that I, unfortunately, am acquainted with, and I feel like it might do some good for somebody somewhere to record and release these things around the holidays. This year, I wanted to get a different perspective, though, so I sat down with Danielle K.L. Gregoire. I met Danielle in a comedy writing class earlier this year, and she's since become one of these so-called unpaid voice acting players on my sketch comedy podcast, Sarcastic Voyage, as well as a personal friend. I find her to be an incredibly positive and inspirational influence, and I think that comes across in this recording. I've done two of these in a row now. Like, uh, I always do them around Christmas time. That's um, probably a good idea. <laughs> that is by design. As you know, people get, you know... Sadder at Christmas. Yes. Yes. And it's not just because of Christmas. There's a lot of, like, my... Uh, I call him a shrink. He's not a shrink, but, you know. Mm-hmm. The guy I see says it's a circadian thing where like the daylight changes and it messes people up. right no that's fair totally i get depressed in the summer because i hate the sun really maybe it's not true but that's what i like <laughs> to say because i'm oppositional um i like the fall like i every time i get into fall i'm like this is gonna be a good one <laughs> that's really interesting because i used to dread summer when i lived in maryland mm. because it was just cripplingly hot, and, hot yeah and yeah. humid totally but yeah here it's so pleasant and we had so that, nice we had like from april to yeah. like october just nothing but sun yes and now it's going away and it's like no no come back oh and it's me i'm like too much sun where is the clouds that's <laughs> what i want i want i it's not that i don't like the sun it's like that i don't like the heat because mm-hmm. in manitoba where i'm from northern manitoba it is sunny almost all winter mm-hmm and like being inside and looking outside until about 4.30 p.m. obviously right. because it starts to go down early. Now, it's not, so joyous. I'm not aware of where Manitoba is geographically. Uh, is it far enough north that you get even shorter days than you get down here? Oh, yeah. Is it? 53rd parallel. Okay. So you like you go to a school at 7.30 in the dark and then you come home at 4.30 and it's dark. So you never see the day. All the daylight happens at school. At yeah. school. It's horrible. It's a right. horrible thing to do to children. Because you know, I what I what I have learned being married to a Canadian and hanging around with a lot of Canadians oh, is Canadians. do not do not assume that all of Canada is near the North Pole. Some of it is quite close to the U.S. Oh, and, for sure, yeah, know. yeah, no, no, I'm I'm six hours from polar bears. Okay, so six hours south of polar bears. Right, that's where I've yeah. But but the the season change sort of works reverse on you. Like the less sun doesn't bum you out. No. It doesn't. <laughs> I like it. I like I like the rain. I like it. this is why I'm super excited about being in Seattle. I yeah, no. I mean, other people being depressed has an effect on me, which <laughs> and I work in comedy, so that I think um I've noticed in the fall that people get really sad, so I am expending more of my positive energy trying to keep people above water. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> right, which I've noticed lately. So that I have less positive energy for myself, so maybe it's it's a Seattle thing, too. Well, and also, it's sort of a, if you're in a room with 10 people and eight of them are miserable, that's going to kind of, like, even putting aside the fact that you're using a lot of your positive energy to make them happy, just yeah. that's going to kind of drag you down It does. Anyway, it does a little bit, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which has got to be rough. but It, it is. I, but, uh, yeah, I like a community of understanding people. <laughs> well, and the thing is, we, we're comedians. We are. 
who are prone to this. Yeah. We're living in Seattle, which is famously Oh God, I didn't even know that when I moved here. It didn't it didn't occur to me. I I honestly think that that might be a myth, like because grunge started here and everyone thinks, oh, mopey teenagers, blah, 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 whatever. I just, I don't know that that's necessarily true. Yeah, I don't know. I've never lived in Texas. I I feel like that would be the opposite of Seattle. Yeah, that seems about right. (laughs) But what I wanted to specifically talk Mm -hmm. about, like I said, I've done a couple of these in a row with a guy who is sort of very similarly wired to me. And Mm -hmm. I wanted to talk to somebody else, particularly about how this how depression specifically affects comedians. Right. I mean, it affects creative people, but specifically comedians, people who try to bring people joy. Yeah. I would say watching it and having watched it for the last two seasons of like depression, Mm -hmm. that because we are required to go out so often to work on a material, like four, five, six, seven days a week, Mm -hmm. three minute doses. Right. um, That it, 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 the depression is it, it's just you make you don't want to go out of the house right and so i will get six to seven cancellations on a tuesday from people who are just i just can't come out tonight right and some of them i can convince to come out because they always feel better after they do it they do they just feel better and yep. they're like oh thank you for but i can i can't get all everyone out of the house so is that the is that the position you take sort of the tough love sort of the get it's out a, of bed and come down here it depends on the person it is very person specific if i know someone needs that mm-hmm. i will give that to them if i know that that will aggravate their depression right. because they're like oh i feel like i'm failing you then i don't right. i say get into bed have some whatever and then come i will put your name on the list next week and i think when i first started i had friends who were like you're so people cancel on you all the time and you you should be madder you should be more angry that they're taking up a spot and that they're screwing with your list and i'm like no my room is a womb for a reason. I am the one place where you cannot come seven times in a row. And the eighth time when you come, I celebrate that time. That's the difference, right? And that I think I recognize that as a depressed person, um, that I just need to, people not to stop believing in me because I am so capable when I'm capable that I can do more in the like, three months that I'm not depressed than most people do in a year. Right. So let, let's talk about specifically, are you are you cool getting a little personal? Yeah, for sure. I might cry, but we're fine. Okay. <laughs> well, if you need a hug, I'm like yeah, three yeah, feet yeah. away, so we're good. <laughs> um, no, I just specifically, mm-hmm. you like, have yeah. you been diagnosed depressed? Uh, do you just sort of d- recognize d- the d- patterns? <laughs> like how? I, because I have a mi- partially missing enzyme, mm-hmm. like, so it's like really chemical, my depression. Mm-hmm. Like it's an actual, like, um like physically you can see it happening right like depression where if i intake the chemical that i'm not supposed to have i get really really high and then i get paranoid and then i get really really low because my body doesn't deal with it so it mirrors like manic depression or bipolar right but, but it's not like it's something you could avoid it's not diagnosable it's not you know because i'm a, i have a thing with my own adrenaline oh i see it's the chemicals in my adrenaline so there's uh, no i, I, I it can't sounds like you're talking about pot or something like nope, just don't smoke pot no nope, no nope, okay. sadly not sadly if i could eliminate my adrenaline that would be great if i never wanted to experience joy again that would be fine you know or have sex or ride a roller coaster or do comedy right but that would be a miserable life like i could be even all the time my mother actually has it and she tried to remove everything and even excitement because she's a scientist and it just it's loathsome 
I would rather be depressed most of the time than give up all of the joy. Is this a is this a recognized like medical phenomenon yeah. or is mm-hmm. it just yeah, yeah. it's a, or missing part of an enzyme. It's right. not like, no celebrity has it, so there's well, no I enzyme therapy. But I'm curious if yes. there's like a name for it, like if it's. Um, I imagine it's something something enzyme deficiency. Right. Yeah, yeah. I could call my mom if you want. No, that's all right. But it's tyramine that we're not supposed to have, which is in like leftover food, ripe fruit, uh, wine, beer. Right. All the good things in life. Lots of good things. Poppy seeds. Mm. Cocaine, apparently. I don't know. I can't do it. My mom was like, that will kill you. I Yeah, I as, as incredibly ADD as I am, cocaine would be delightful for me right, and therefore right. really dangerous. Totally, yes, yeah. So, I yeah, I, I try to stay away from, from things that will kill me. But, yeah, but it puts me, whatever the, the chemical is, puts me into fight or flight, which, if you've ever been robbed, which I have, um, puts you into, like, a super state of, like, high, um, like, just everything's over just it's crazy and then for a while you're really depressed i mean that comes like with post-traumatic stress stress disorder which is another thing but i think they're probably related oh they're totally related yeah Mm -hmm. so uh, yeah i like my depression because i've known about it since i was 18 the the way that it the it works is is weird so yeah so right now i could feel i went into the bank (laughs) just before i came Mm -hmm. and um i was applying for a checking account after six years of not having a checking account because I'm married and I'm also Canadian and mm-hmm. couldn't have my own money here. Um, and I just got my social security number and finally got up the courage to go into the bank. I have crazy social anxiety too. So this is awesome. And I go in and the woman who'd helped me once before was there and she, I sat down, I was super on, super amazing. And I was like, I want to open my checking account. She was like, great, that's awesome. And then obviously she had no idea who I was. I was like, well, I, it was like a month ago when I right. went in for the first time. So it makes sense. And then I started giving her my information and she goes, are you available Monday? And I was like, I parent full time. I, yeah. Right. And then we started talking about parenting. And then a few seconds later, I'm like, did you ask me about Monday for a reason? She's like, well, we're closing the bank in two minutes. And if oh. we don't get your information into the computer right now, it might not happen. I just started to cry. I was just like, all of this, like, the lead up to that and, like, you know, like, yeah. So, and I can feel, like, that, like, giving into that sort of, like, crying instinct is being, like, depressing. I, I can feel the depression coming on. Like, like a big storm. I'm like, oh, where's my bending down the hedges? I need to do it right now. Um, And I, like, I don't like to sit at my house. Like right. p- some people who get depressed are like, I need to stay in and not be anywhere. If I stay in and not be anywhere, like it, I'm not coming out. Right. Yeah. I've stayed in my house for like three months at a time. No, see, I, because of so much of the creative stuff that I do is based like out of that at home. I record right. with people remotely. Mm-hmm. I produce everything out of my house. I don't have to go anywhere. Totally. I have used that as an excuse. Yeah. The first five years I lived here, I didn't go anywhere because, mm-hmm. oh, no, no, I'm depressed. and I can't do that. Right. But on the other hand... I came here where we're recording right now, the Pocket Theater, to one of the shows during Sketchfest, mm. uh, and I f- had the biggest panic attack I've had in my life, just social anxiety times a thousand. Totally. I needed to get the fuck out of here right now. Yeah. Amanda was here taking pictures so uh-huh. we couldn't go anywhere. Yeah. We were at a very long intermission of a show that was not showing any signs of ending, right. and it was horrifying. Uh, uh-huh. And it's like, I haven't gone out for a while because of that. Yeah. And it's like, I, I wonder how you guys, uh-huh. you being comedians who get on stage who are prone to depression totally if you have that what do you do 
because <laughs> you're part of what you're doing yeah. involves being out there among people. you have to always. most of what i do doesn't so mm -hmm. it's fine yeah no it's but it's, you don't have that option it's tough yeah you and you become obsolete very quickly if you don't continue right. to go out and aren't part of the scene so what do you do you just push through it i push through it what i did was started my own show and i have to be there and having people that i'm responsible for really helps me hmm. so i need to be there the show does not happen without me right so I can sort of be like, oh, I need to do this thing. This thing that, you know what I mean? Like I have to get out of yeah, bed every morning because I have children. Right. Yeah. And I, while I don't, you know, use them as a depression, like, no, you know what I mean? But, um, it, it helps. It really helps to have, I used to have a slug when I was younger mm -hmm. just to have someone else to feed, to remind myself to feed myself. Right. And people see me and they're like, oh, you're so sunny and so happy and so nice. And they can't imagine me being depressed. You know what I mean? I, I know exactly what mm -hmm. you mean. This is the thing I kind of wanted, like specifically why I wanted to talk about comedy was obviously a few months ago, Robin Williams. Right. And everyone, like all the people who I know who are not into comedy are like, I never could have seen this coming. How could he be? He's so animated and he's so manic and he's so on all the time. And it was like, that is exactly why it was not a surprise to me. Yeah, it wasn't a surprise there to me. There must be a dark side to There's... that. You and I both look at a person like that and you say, he must be miserable about 50% of the time. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Yes. Yeah, because you can't maintain that level of energy without there being a cost. Right. And, I, well, I mean, I feel like there are some relatively well-balanced people who can. Oh, there's but... balanced people, but they're not like that. They're not manic. Well, okay. They're, they're like, they're happy. <laughs> like, happy but is there different are, there from, are like... creative people. There are people in comedy who are not depressed is kind of what I'm getting at. And even energetic people, but maybe not to that level. Yeah. I imagine the list is shorter. I was you just narrowing your eyes like, I don't know. Uh, hmm. Do you do you really believe like what percentage of say just comedy people in general and I include stand up, improv, comedy I think, writers? Like, I think stand up particularly we is, we, we pull the most depressed really? people. Why do you think that is? Um there it's an independent art form. Mm -hmm. Right? So you could do it by yourself. Whereas like improv and sketch, you require a cast and people to work together and a community. Mm -hmm. And that sort of thing uh, draws more balanced people. Like but you've built a community with the comedy one where you have the same performers yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot no, of the time. I have, and, I have but I'm still drawing from the same pool. I'm right. We are getting a few more balanced people because of the way that I'm doing it. There's mm -hmm. definitely some more well-balanced people. But that's not normal. Like no, that's not, that's not normal. No. Have you been to a comedy club at their dark basements? Well, and that's the thing is is on top of the depression, it's like there's going to be hecklers. Like you have, you run a safe space, but I not everyone does. Space, yeah. And an open mic is you have to have thick skin to do oh, a typical God. open mic. And yeah. if you're already- For three minutes, you need thick yeah. skin. Yeah. For, if you're already feeling awful, uh -huh. you don't want to get up there and face that because that is a career killer. That is, I am not funny. Totally. I'm done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you don't know. Yes. And that's the big reason I never even attempted uh, stand-up is because I just, like, open mics are supposed to be terrible. And if I'm having a bad night, I'm Right. Done. You develop a thicker skin. Some of the depressives I know are adversarial. Mm -hmm. So they get up there, and, and if they get, they get a heckler, the they, they just fight, get they're good. mad. Yeah, and then they're not that's sad anymore. They're choosing to fight. They're choosing to fight. So they do. I think that's a lot of what it is, is they're looking for that adrenaline rush. Mm -hmm. So it's like a temporary cure it. for the depression. Yeah, even if they bomb... Um, because they're like, look at me, I'm up here and it's terrifying. It doesn't really get a lot less terrifying. Sure. Mm -hmm. I, that, that makes sense. But okay. So why do you think, I mean, mm -hmm. w without getting into the physiological end of it, cause we're not 
doctors. Not doctors. But uh, just to be clear, in case anyone listening thinks that is under the delusion that we are doctors. Right, yeah. I, I gave up a really special career in doctorism. Right, right. To take up comedy. Doctorism. <laughs> just trying to exemplify that I am not a doctor. Right. Um, but why, why do you think creative people and specifically comedy people are more prone to this? To the depression part? Yeah. I don't know. If I knew. <laughs> well, no, I, I understand. But my... my my thought is it go it's not it's not that comedy people are prone to depression. It's that depressed people are prone Yes, yes, that's why. You're I'm like the question to, is confusing. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no, for sure. Depressed people are prone to, to ther- wanting therapy for free. Or or trying to seek out something to get them out of it or positive. To, yeah. Know. Well yeah, it's it is therapy. Like people will go on stage and say, This is my therapy, right? Sure. Because and comedy allows you to look at situations in your life and make it funny like right. mark Marin always says you know it has to be funny and when someone groans in his audience he's like no you don't understand this has to be funny right right like he of all comics i think is like the king of depression <laughs> um and like listening to his stand-up like i went to a show of his and i just i cried halfway through it you know what i mean but it was like saying so many things that that resonated yeah with they you? resonate yeah mm-hmm. it's it's you know, you look at your life and you're like, all of these things happening, um, and you have to have to find the points in it that connect you with other people and like in a good way. I mean, I guess I could just write depressing poetry. Uh, you're not 16 anymore. <laughs> no, I'm not. I mean, there's a place for it. Um, yeah, I did. That place is high school. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I don't know. It is no, true. I, I, and I mean, like, I, yeah, it's so, so funny. I hate to denigrate high schoolers because they are so in it and they don't know that there's another side to it. You no, know what no, I mean? I'm like, not, I, I wasn't mm-hmm. even trying no. to, to put that down. It's just when you're a teenager, it feels like that's the, that's the best well, way that's to it. express it. Exactly. And that's, that's all you know, too. You're just documenting your experience. It's yeah. shitty. High school is shitty. Yeah, for most people, yeah. I don't think it's not shitty for anybody. I think some people hide it better. I don't know. I was always under the impression that certain people were oblivious enough that it's like, this is fun. I hung out with the popular kids. I hung, out, I hung out with all of the groups, and there was no person in high school who was happy all of the time. Well, nobody's happy all of the time. No. Ever. Yes. Anywhere. No, that's true. But I would say, like, the last year or two of high school, I was actually happier way more than I was unhappy. Because nice. once I found where I was supposed to, like, I right. found the theater kids, and I found the school paper. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is where I need yes. to be. Yes. Yeah, that's it. You just need a place to belong. <laughs> right. Yes. And Which, that's what we're talking about with comedy. Exactly. If you find a community. If you the find depressives. A yeah, exactly. We have a community of people who are like, and we'll, they just need to be around someone. They don't need to be talking to someone, but just to have a purpose. Right. Even just, which is why I despise hecklers. Because I'm like, these are my people who are getting up and waiting. And they're going for three minutes. They just have three minutes. Shut up. I mean, I I am with you. I I completely agree with you. However, mm-hmm. that is just sort of an accepted part of the culture of comedy. If you do comedy in the UK, I'm yeah. sure you know this. Right. This is just expected. Totally. Like if you do what is it, the Edinburgh Fringe yeah, Festival? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's brutal but, with the hecklers. But but I think you grow up and uh, it's perpetuating the system. It well, that is it's it, and then like you can somebody like you can say no. It doesn't have to be like this. Hey. Let's try it this way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. I'm like, just wait. Why did I start this? Oh, because I don't want some shithead yelling at me on stage. Because no, I, I think it's mm-hmm. awful. I'm just saying. I think it's people just sort of accept it. Oh, they but, do. They accept it. But they accept it the same way they accept casual sexism or mm-hmm. like it, that doesn't make it good. Yeah. Make it better. Well, I mean, sometimes I think there are occasions in which uh, 
comedian does with the heckler what everyone wants to do with the assholes in their life. Sure. And that is uh, celebrated. But that's that's taking a bad situation and making it like working on your feet and turning it into something good. But it, if it wasn't there in the first place, your act would probably still be fine. Like, yeah, know. some people's act wouldn't be fine. Some people some base people their act on, on the conflict. Yeah. Oh, no, no. There's a there's a few comics where like if you watch their stuff, it's purely them dealing with hecklers. And I think there's a place for it. I think that we need to like make those shows obvious. Yeah. That that's it. That's this. And I mean, one of the comics that I know, I'm not going to say his name because I don't want to celebrate him. Mm. Um, he he calls people out and he he like gets them to ask questions and things, and then he mm. deals with them. So it's something he wants to do, and that's reasonable. And his audience members know that they're going to be decimated when they get there, and that's a that's a con- more of a consensual thing. Right. Um, I find. That sometimes people just talk at a comedy show, like, you know, table talk, and then the comedians will, like, take it out on them. And this is, like, a where they'd gone to have dinner and mm. didn't know a comedy show was going to be happening. Yeah, that's right? not cool. No, there's, yeah, mm-hmm. it goes both ways, where sometimes it's just, like, which is why I run my room the way that I run my room. I was like, what is all the stuff I love about comedy? Well, let's let's talk about this because the, mm-hmm. the people listening may not be familiar with okay. what you do. So give give me a quick overview, just just real quick. I run a safer space where there's no heckling and the comedians are not allowed to be mean to the audience. That's it. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, I, you I said mean, quick. I, well, yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. But I, like the part of what appeals to me is you you have sort of like it's safe for like there there's not a lot of like misogyny or it's an asshole or, free you know. zone. Right. Exactly. There's no hate allowed unless you're like self hate is reasonable because obviously <laughs> well, they're the comedians, depression <laughs> yes, so yeah exactly uh yeah so it's it's a female focused but not female exclusive mm-hmm. space in which um everyone is allowed to come and be thoughtful hilarious individuals right yeah which i is one of the things like you had we had been we went to the same writing group and we met and we talked a bit and mm-hmm. you, you heard that we were doing voice stuff and you yeah. wanted to get involved and then when I heard about this thing you did, like, there's a whole other thing that I think, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. This is so cool. Yeah. Yes. I, I mean, I like when I get angry, because I got angry because I couldn't get on stage enough and I was performing in spaces where I didn't feel safe or I was not feeling valued or cared about. I was like, when I get angry, I just do something about it. Right. Because that's how I direct my anger. I'm like, I could just complain or I could start a space where I feel safe and, and where I, if I feel this way, there's a thousand people at least who feel this way. So, right. yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's an audience that I'm also an audience member and I would rather watch comedy in this kind of space. So, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, do you feel like these, the people who are more prone to depression and that kind of thing, mm-hmm. flock to this as opposed to like a typical standard open mic as people know them i do i get a lot of depressed people yeah mm-hmm. but i mean but you think uh, what i'm saying is like a, I think a higher they'll go ratio everywhere. than you would have gotten <laughs> um, if you were running a more traditional open mic i wonder i don't know i think the op- i think every open mic has the depressed but do you think maybe the people who are a little shyer a little more oh i know yes i know that they wouldn't have lasted as long Right. If there wasn't this space. Right. I know that they would have been ostracized because they weren't coming out mm-hmm. and that um, their names wouldn't get on the list because they had canceled multiple times. And so that, yes, I know that there are people who continue to do comedy because they know there's a space for them and that no matter how many times they cancel on me, it doesn't matter. Right. Yes. Which, I, you know, I, I can imagine anybody who has had to cancel and bail and all kinds of horrible mm-hmm. things. Like, it's just like, wow, I wish more things were like that. Right. I wish... I made a decision I, two years ago when I did the first one of these mm-hmm. was sort of, I saw it as kind of coming out. I don't want to belittle 
people who actually come out like <laughs> right. in, in real ways. Mm -hmm. But you know what I mean? Like I, I saw it as I'm, I'm tired of hiding this. Yeah. I am telling the world straight up. Totally. I suffer from depression and I've tried. It's hard, but I've tried to own it since yes. then. Yeah. When I had that panic attack, I couldn't go out for a bit. Right. And I had a commitment and I told the person before I would have made an excuse. Yeah. This time I said, you know what? No, I had a panic attack. I can't go out and he was totally understanding. Right, exactly. Cool. Yeah, no, no. I think there has been a push towards acknowledging um a neuro is it neuro atypical? That, that sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz like yeah, like people who their brains don't work the same way as everybody else's. Right. And there's more of us than you think there are and like coming out in any other situation like if you're gay yeah. or whatever it's it's terrifying and then once you do you're like oh there's a community of people who understand me and like i find with facebook it's very helpful um because i hate asking for help i i hate it i don't i don't mm -hmm. want i know can't because um rejection triggers more depression yep. so if i ask for help and someone's like no because it's taken me it takes me a lot to ask for help mm -hmm. so if I get on Facebook and I'm like, holy shit, things are shitty right now. Another depressive will like back channel me and be like, hey, <laughs> I totally know how it is. And I'm not depressed right now. So I have energy to like be like, hey, how are you? Do you need hugs? Can mm -hmm. I help you? And there's there some way I can help you. And there's like a network of people who I've met over just through Facebook and through doing comedy where I'm like, they will come to me when they're feeling shitty. And if I have extra energy, I'll be like, hey, maybe I can make you tea or something. Or maybe I can just talk to you for a little bit. Um, but um, yeah, like I have a friend who that's how we're friends is that they posted online that they wanted to kill themselves. And mm -hmm. then I was like, that's not something that someone does casually. And then right. I talked to them for seven hours online. And I was like, I did everything possible because they didn't want me to call them for help or anything. And seven hours later, they were still alive. And I was like, okay. But I get it because that's how I get. I get like. Have you? Are you? Do you get lows that low? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh huh. Um. Yeah. Mostly, I just like hug myself through them in the bed and like just remind me myself of the things that I have. And that's hard too sometimes because when you're depressed, you think. Well, the people in my life would be better off without me. That bullshit. Right. And your brain does that. And you're like, but thankfully for me, I'm I'm one of the lucky ones because I have oppositional defiance disorder. So every time my brain says, kill yourself, my other part of my brain goes, no fucking way, brain. And it's like this constant fight, um, which is right. amazing. And I'm super thankful for my um, ODD <laughs> that is n supposed to go away in childhood and has never gone away um, because it does. It, it, it stops me from doing anything serious even though like i get to the point where it's just like there's no way that everyone in my life wouldn't be better off without me you know what i mean like that's mm -hmm. that's that feeling where you're just like i'm such an awful person like how could why does anyone put up with me like that stuff you're like oh and i'm like how is this uh, something a brain does like that doesn't sound like uh biologically sound <laughs> like, well, it, it certainly doesn't sound like a survival trait right exactly yeah so like it, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I don't know. No, it doesn't. And and I don't understand enough about the physiological causes. Right. Like there might be, I don't know, it might be what we're eating now. It might be a million different things. Who knows? Who knows? But it, yeah, it's it's rough. Um, I can say that I personally don't have lows that low. Mm -hmm. And usually I don't think, 
I don't get to the point where I feel like I'm worthless. Everyone would be better without oh, me. Oh, that's awesome. It's it's no. <laughs> it's not awesome. It's flatter than that. It's uh, like it's just a constant. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Is is more. It's more right. of a nihilistic yeah, sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. I I get those two. In in a way, it's worse because it's yeah. like I get to the point where it's like. Well, you. Why would you do anything? It's like you yeah. might think they'll be happier if I was gone. I think nobody cares if I'm here or I'm not here. Right. Yeah. And that's that's a little worse. In totally. A yeah. For I'm, sure. I'm working on this. I don't. I. It is way too early to say if this works. Mm-hmm. But I'm working on this theory with the the guy that I talked to with my shrink. Um. That I am. I don't want to say I'm not bipolar. Mm-hmm. But that. It's more tied to my ADD, specifically the part of ADD that constantly craves stimulus. Right. And that if I stay one task too busy at all times, mm-hmm. if I have my just one too many things on my plate all the time and it's always go, 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 yeah. that I won't fall into a big depression. Right. So far, that seems to be working. Interesting. It's... What I what I noticed was my cycles would go. We I would always plan a big thing. Like Emerald City's our big thing. Mm-hmm. We plan, 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 plan. Mm-hmm. March would happen. Mm-hmm. I'd be so happy. Mm-hmm. April, boom, right down for mm-hmm. months and months and months. Totally. And then when we did our live show that you were a part of, yeah, it was like plan, plan, plan. All right, this is so great. This is yes. the best thing. And totally. You saw me. I was yeah. so into Super it. Super into it. And I was like, I know the crash is coming. Yeah. Oh I know yeah. This yeah. Is the next uh-huh. thing is going to be. And so I deliberately gave myself too many things to do yeah and i haven't had the crash yet nice that's been since august and it's now november totally yeah and that's kind of ties into what you're saying that's what i do that's get on stage all yeah. the time oh totally yeah no 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 i definitely i mean i have a weekly thing mm-hmm. i actually have three weekly things now mm-hmm. like i i help with the magic hat on mondays and i have my show on tuesdays and on wednesdays there's a rotating show every week and then yeah it sounds like you're dealing with it the same way i do which is i have podcasts that come out regularly so there's yeah. always a next show there's totally. never a time to stop no you i don't stop i going. have to keep going it's like a shark i'm definitely a depressive so i mean apparently that's a myth but i i still like the expression so we're gonna pretend that's we're right. gonna pretend it's real <laughs> yeah i'm sure there's a shark somewhere there must be one shark who's, <laughs> who's like us who just needs to yeah Comedian depressive shark, shark. Yeah, yeah exactly um yeah no yeah definitely that and i mean thankfully my husband understands mm-hmm. um that i that's something that's important to me and that i need to keep going Um, but yeah, but I did for five years sort of slow down and like, it's remarkable how depressed I was in the time when I was like, I didn't have as much to look forward to. Um, in the beginning I had kids and so I was like, well, I'm I'm doing stuff all of the time, but, um, they're going to go to school (laughs) and they're not going to need me anymore. And that's totally fine. I'm super excited about that. Love independent children. Um, but I, I, in advance of that, I was like, I need my own life. Yes. I need to do things for me. And I am, I'm doing things for me. And I do find that my depression, like, I mean, it's cyclical. So like, uh, when I did Tuesday shows on Wednesdays, I would be super depressed, Mm -hmm. but then, so now you're doing something on Wednesday. Right. (laughs) And then sometimes Thursdays. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So I, yeah. Filling my plate and people like, and I know that this whole workaholic thing my mother has it too right and she constantly doing things but not very depressed very often that's my mom too did not understand when i told her i was bipolar she's like well just cheer up she's one of those people just cheer up oh yeah not my mom and Mm -hmm. i didn't think like i thought oh great just forget it we're not even gonna talk about it but the more i start realizing that maybe it's this workaholic thing as you say yeah maybe i am kind of like her because she's like that too she's like yeah i can't when i go on vacation i have to do stuff yeah my mom too yeah my and my mom has this and she knows it and she spent a lot of my childhood crying because she didn't know she had it mm. this thing and it's like it's 
it, it gives you a high, it gives you a paranoia. Someone says something, it triggers you, you go into a deep depression, you start crying. Um, so for the first part of my life, I just thought my dad was a horrible person. <laughs> and he's not. It's really sort of like, right. whoa. But, and I mean, my dad's even more awesome because he, he helped he, her through all that. Yeah, yeah. He just loved her. Just all of it. He just was like, no, this is just, that's just your mom. And then when she figured it out, she was like, holy man, this is, wasn't just your mom, but also it's going to happen because of our adrenaline. Right. But I mean, my parents will be like, if I'm crying or if I'm stressed out or if I'm like feeling paranoid, they'll just be like, did you eat anything today? Which drives me insane. <laughs> are they, are they right? Though? Sometimes they're right. Uh-huh. Sometimes I'm actually just sad. Uh-huh. Um, but because I have the condition, people are like, yeah, it's hard to take my own sadness seriously sometimes mm. as opposed to people who have like a legitimate reasons to be sad. Like someone died or, um, the, you know, their marriage is ending, like all of that stuff. It's, I mean, you're, there are times in which it's not depression. It's legitimate sadness in which you should be sad. Right? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, no, I, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. with you there. When I think of the word depression, I think of it chemically. And when I think of sadness, I think of like grief. Well, right? yeah, there was a, there was a mm-hmm. thing going around, I think on Tumblr or something, where it was like, stop using mental illnesses as adjectives. When you say, I'm depressed yeah. because you're sad, that kind of, like, it, it, it makes the word depression sort of meaningless. Which if is, you say, yeah. I'm kind of OCD, that makes oh, people yeah. with OCD, like, you know. One of my favorite bits is by uh, Shay Spillane, and she is OCD. She I has saw, I OCD. Bit, yeah. It is the best bit, because she says, when she says she is OCD, people go, oh, yeah, I totally alphabetize my CDs, too. And she's like, yeah, but if you don't alphabetize your CDs... Will your family die? Right. Yeah. I did see that. Right. Right. And you're just like, yes. And that, I think that's what depression is. Depression is something uncontrollable that isn't necessarily related to anything. But sometimes you're sad and depressed because there's something in your life that's happening. But you're like your chemicals. There shouldn't be the same word for that. No, 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 no. Exactly. Which is why I think grief and sadness are, are things that everyone can own. Right. That everyone should be allowed sadness. Everyone should be allowed grief. And depression really needs to be like there's nothing fucking wrong right now so yeah. why do i feel this way that's depression you know what i mean like why is my brain telling me these things why am i crying for no reason at the bank like why <laughs> like this is things that people just do normally like someone can just go to the bank and get a checking account and it's fine but sometimes like mm-hmm. if if you're prone to that it's it's like when you hear someone threw out their back opening a jar of pickles no they didn't their back was going to get thrown out and that's oh, the right. thing that did it. Oh, totally. And it's the same thing. It's like you were on the, like you were on the cliff. Yes. And that bank <laughs> thing, like you, a slight disappointment. The totally. The yeah. thing didn't work out the way yeah. you expected and that's yes. what pushed you over. Yes. But it's yeah. not. That it wasn't the bank. It. No, it wasn't no. the bank. No. You were, you were about there. Yes, I was about there. And yeah. one mm-hmm. thing you would plan, I'm going from point A to right. point B and someone Expectation, stood in your way. Yeah, expectation is a huge thing for me. Yeah. So I like, and I, and because I'm the way that I am. And because of oppositional defiance story. Like, because all of these things, I've like started giving myself coping mechanisms. But my kids, I started giving them coping mechanisms just in case, right? Like, um, I remember going to an ice cream shop in Montreal. I went to, it was my first time going to Ben and Jerry's, mm-hmm. which in Canada, it didn't exist. Right. It was like this mythical thing that I saw in City Slickers once or something. <laughs> um, and I went there and I wanted a triple brownie fudge ice cream. And I waited in line for an hour and I got to the front and I was with my cousin and it was this awesome time. I'm 21 years old. I'm super excited about ice cream. And the guy, I say, I would like a uh, triple banner fudge. And he's like, oh, sorry, we ran out. Tears. And he's like, wouldn't you like something else? And no, yeah. I didn't want anything else. And I walked away from the line and my cousin's like, oh my God, what's wrong with you? 
it's with... so hard to explain stuff like that to people who haven't gone through it though right because, exactly like, yeah it, it seems like if you look at that from the outside it's like i look like a crazy person. i am a crazy person <laughs> but you know what I, mean. <laughs> I know what you mean yes yes yeah legitimately that's not something that should affect a person um yeah and so i started giving my daughter at an early age because um small people <laughs> they get it mm-hmm. their lives it's my friend Steve Powell has a perfect bit about how he came to understand toddlers because he was like, oh, they look like they're whiny little assholes, right? They they don't get something, they cry. And he said, just right. a second, maybe that's not a toddler not getting something. Maybe that's a two-year-old hitting rock bottom because their life is so much smaller. It's pretty good. It's so good. Yeah. So good. Yeah, so um, for my children, I was just like, these are all things that we don't teach our kids. We don't assume that they're going to have mental illness, but these are all things that would work really well with people who don't have mental illness, like right. setting reasonable expectations. Like if you, they don't have an ice cream there for you. I've taught my kids not to only have a plan B, but have all the way to a plan Z. Z. Plan Z. Don't correct yourself. Plan I Z. Talk to a lot of Canadians. Stand <laughs> okay. Your plan Z. Um, so I'm like, you, there's no triple brownie fudge. What would you like next? Vanilla? Strawberry? There's a, so many flavors. There's 32. There's only 26 letters. You can find a flavor you're going to like. And, right. and that's something they do. Or my children are super empathetic. I'm also very empathetic. So if I walk into a room with a depressed person, I know <laughs> right away. Like that's, ugh. Um, and my children are also empathetic, like to a fault. And my son, whenever there's a baby crying, he's like, there's a baby crying. And I've taught him in general um, to let someone else take care of it because he's three years old. Right. Right. So I'm like, there's a baby crying. He's like, there's a baby crying. I'm like, there's a baby crying, but his mama's got it. And we have a baby who lives underneath us and the baby was crying the other day. And uh, this is like a parenting win for me. Mm-hmm. He heard the baby crying. He's like, Rue is crying. His mama's got it. And I was like, yeah, he does. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, just like, so you're allowed to not take everything in as like a super empathetic person. Um, yeah. A, a lot of these things, these examples you're using, mm-hmm. and, and I say this as someone who is like this as well, so it's going to sound like a criticism, but mm-hmm. I am exactly the same way. Yeah. Sound like control freak things. That I'm a control freak, yeah. Sound like mm-hmm. I wanted triple brownie and that is that it, my world yeah, is that totally and yes i <laughs> want to help this person who is in trouble and if right. i can't help them then you know totally it, like it, yes it all has to do with you're in total control and if you lose any of that control you freak i'm out. a control freak yeah. i mean so am i <laughs> i know i'm a control freak because <laughs> my parents are not ah. <laughs> they're like eh, no big deal the world doesn't matter my brother cracked his head open uh he fell into the river like multiple times and almost drowned um like they are phenomenal humans who are risk takers and um they're it's just they're incredible they are so adaptable and so like the world blah 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 blah, blah, no big deal like my dad like we would get in the ditch all of the time like in the car or we'd be like stuck out in the forest and i would wonder if we were ever going to make it back there was no cell phones there was no way right. to, to hear from my dad if he was out. And, you know, like one of my friend's dads went skidooing one night, uh, snowmobiling one night, and uh, they he went through the ice and died. We didn't hear from him, right? Like this, like where I'm from, in the middle of nowhere, right? it's a real risk. Like You, you could every disappear t- into the wilderness. Every time you go out. And yeah. um, that was my life. So I I like to be in control. That's fair. Huh. Yeah, no. No, but, that's interesting because I'm... I would say I'm more this way because my parents are also like that and the way they were steering is exactly the wrong way and like right. no 
give me like I'm gonna take totally yes yeah 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 yeah. oh I mean yeah they they my parents were controlling in that they wanted everything to be laissez-faire and let's go and do things and like that there would be like a time we'd you know go in a boat and I'd be like okay I'm done being in the boat now I'm super nauseated and like want to die and they're like we hired this boat and we have it for 14 hours and it's $500 so we put the cost in you need to be here and I'm just like and they're like, you yeah. wanted to go on the boat. Yeah, for four hours, not for a full day. Right. <laughs> um. So, like, yeah, totally. I think, uh, uh, yeah, yes. I try to give my kids more control of their lives. Like, I taught them negotiate. And people at the park hate me for this. Mm-hmm. But they'll be like, I'm like, 20 minutes. And they'll be like, half an hour. I'm like, 21, 29, 22 to get to 25 minutes. Uh-huh. But giving them some sort of agency in their life and like having, you know, choices as opposed to like, you have to do this thing or like saying, you're doing this because I know it's right. I don't do that. Right. And it's an exhausting way to parent. But it also, my children feel like they have voice, which unfortunately now that my daughter's in kindergarten, she's using her voice uh-huh. to tell her teacher that she's not being kind and her teacher is pissed. Oh, undoubtedly. Right. And like, I'm just like, but I don't want my daughter to be an obedient asshole. I want her to have, I want people to listen to her and to think that her opinions are valid because they're valid. But on the other hand, it also feels in a way you're short circuiting the inevitable rebellion. Yeah. Because they already feel like they have a hand in the decision making in your house, whether it's an illusion or the real thing. Uh huh. It's not an illusion. I I think. Yeah. you must have in the back of your head, we're not leaving 30 minutes from now. We're leaving, like, I will let her talk me down to this, but that yeah. is as far as I'm going. Totally. You're still the mom. Yeah, I'm still the mom. You, they need a mom. They need someone. No, no, friends. I understand. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is giving them some control or the illusion of more control mm-hmm. than they have means maybe later on they won't pull away so far. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. Because <laughs> they, they, they think they have a voice in the, in the decision-making process, and so they're not going to feel so compelled to, to pull away from that. Right. I think that's reasonable. I think no, no, I agree. I'm yeah. saying this. This may be a tough transition for going into school and dealing oh, with other yes. people right now. But later on, like totally, like when she hits those teen years, yeah. Well, she's... someone will have valued her voice, right? Right, that she'll have a place. I mean, she's not going to want to come talk to me, but she also has 13 fairy godparents of like varying <laughs> sexualities and genders and like yeah, whatever she ends up turning into, she'll have someone. She'll, that yes, can, yeah, exactly. Whoever, like, because I'm like, I know that I can't be her confidant forever, right? And even now, she's like, I, I have secrets, mm-hmm. right? And like, she's allowed to be an independent human. She doesn't need to be right. Yes. Yeah, I'm trying to do everything right. You can't. It's no, parenting. It's just fucking people up different ways. Yep. I'm sure that there's there's gonna be stories about me. Well, they're all. I mean, you know. I know. Always. I know. Always. Uh huh. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, we need to start wrapping things up. But uh, depression, depression wise, is there anything you definitely wanted to hit on? Is there any like resources or anything? Yeah, kind of for a, sure. Um, I know there's a book you really swear by. Yes, the book I really swear by is by Adam Gennady. It's called The Do It Yourself guide to fighting the big motherfucking sad you gave me a copy of that and i do appreciate it is so good it's like a magic eight ball for depression for me um it's not actually it's not a guide it's just him being like these are the things that got me through Mm -hmm. and as a creative person uh everything that he says like i read it from start to finish uh last year when i was so depressed that i could barely get out of bed and it helped me a lot and i wrote to him and he wrote back and he was like thanks dude or whatever and then I wrote to him again not thinking that he would respond and he wrote back and he was like his publishing company his mini- zine press is being uh-huh. sued his micro press is being sued for some 
ridiculous reason that he can't talk about because he's not doing the suing mm. so um he's depressed right now oh. and like i was like how do i help him yeah because no he helped me and i was just like hey you guys everyone should buy this zine it's seven dollars mm-hmm. and it and like i ordered 10 from him and he was like he sent me like a little package being like thanks this really makes a difference and i think in the end that my resource is other people who understand and when they're having a good day they're really much more able to help than someone who doesn't get it well, and I think that's the thing that really strikes me about you, and mm-hmm. I know a few other people like this, is because you're so aware that the happiness might be fleeting. Today's right. a great day, tomorrow might totally. not be. Totally. You are so much more prone to share that good day. Yeah. And to, like, to put out that positivity. And like, mm-hmm. right now, I am on, and I want everyone to know it, and I want to help anyone I can, and totally. I want like, to, yeah. to spread this exactly. positive. Exactly, yeah. Because yeah. tomorrow, I'm not going to be like this. Exactly, yeah. Get at me when you can. Right, exactly. Yes, yeah. I, I, I really like that. I'll see mm-hmm. a Facebook post or something, or yeah. you just be like, everything's good, everything's great. And totally, like, yes. Yeah, and, and, and I know. And at the end of all of my sad posts, it's like, don't worry about me. It's going to be okay. See, you know, I was sort of, and I, we can't really go into this because we got to wrap things up, but mm-hmm. I, my impulse is to share those happiness and then just to drop off. Right. When I'm like, I was just, I, my dad is Midwestern, don't show any totally. emotions and a lot of that rubbed off on me and right. it's like, I don't I ask for to, help. I, don't. I used to be the same way. I used to only show Canadians my happiness. Are famous for being like that. Just too, the so. happiness, just the happiness. And then I realized uh, that when someone had talked about their depression and then come back and talked about their happiness later, that that was important was that people needed to see that I could get through this and that we could all get through this and that it's also me. Right. That I'm, this is not easy. See, I feel like I haven't gotten over this yet. Yeah. I feel like this is, this is just me trying to get attention. I would rather get attention with something positive. Totally. Yeah. No, reasonably so. Reasonably so. I don't generally ask for attention. I think like as much as, yeah. Maybe. No, if I were to put it out there that I, well, like when I had a panic, I had a bad panic attack, mm-hmm. that would just feel like everybody look at me. And if I'm going to say everybody look at me, I want to have something for them totally. to look at and not that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all. Yes. But it's, it's a thing sure. I need to get over. Oh. Yeah. It's an on, it's a process. Mm-hmm. Totally. Or yeah. a process. Yes. <laughs> I can't, I don't know which one it is anymore, Al. I've process, ruined it for process. you. Mm-hmm. Thank right, you Danielle, so much well, for inviting I, me. Thank you very much for uh, for talking to me. This show was produced by me, Ron Algarwatt, and featured Danielle K.L. Gregoire. To learn more about Danielle and her Seattle-based safe space for comedy, go to comedywomb.com. To learn more about me, visit algar.com. That's A L G A R dot com. Thanks for listening.